This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. Welcome back to Launchpad on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host, Carl Ulrich. I'm Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at the Wharton School. I'm joined now on the line by Bryn Putnam, who's the founder and CEO of Mirror. Bryn, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. All right. So let's hear the elevator pitch for him. Actually, before we do that, let me point our listeners to your website. You've got a really nice site with a good video and so forth. It's mirror.co. So just M-I-R-R-O-R, mirror.co. So leave off the M. It's just CO. Okay, Bryn, give us the elevator pitch for Mirror. Sure. Mirror is a nearly invisible interactive home gym. When it's off, it's a beautiful full-length mirror. And when it's on, it streams live and on-demand workouts to you in your home and optimizes them in real time. All right. Well, that's a very concise pitch. Let's drill down just a little bit. So if if you it, it it really is worth going to the website so you can get a sense of the the visual. But yeah, literally looks like a flat mirror on your wall. And um so g- give us a sense of of actually what the user experience is like. So I get up in the morning, I want to do a workout. How what do I do? Sure. So the mirror either sits on a stand or hangs on a wall, looks like a mirror when it's off. Then when you power it on, you utilize your phone like a remote control to browse for classes, uh, tell us information about yourself that allows us to personalize your experience and also to track your progress. So if you were to wake up, you would open your phone, you would search for classes um, that you wanted to take based on time, uh, the equipment you have access to, the trainer, the type of workout you wanted to do. Um, You would then launch the class, which would appear on your mirror, and you'd be able to see your trainer speaking to you, um, the avatars for other members of your class, as well as personalized metrics and feedback. So things like your target heart rate zone, uh, specific exercises that are recommended for you based on your profile um, and personalized tips. Um, all while seeing your own reflection as well, so you can correct your form. All right, and it's in in at least one of the modes. This is this is synchronous and live, correct? So there actually is an instructor on the other side uh, uh, connecting to you synchronously. Yeah, exactly. So when you join one of our live classes, what the trainer is seeing is a dashboard of all of the people who have joined the class Mm -hmm. and all of your information. So they're seeing your heart rate data, any injuries or limitations, um, what your goals and preferences are, if you've hit a relevant class milestone. Um, The only thing that we don't turn on during a class experience is the camera and the device, um, which we turn on during personal training, which is um, a one-to-one experience in which the trainer then actually sees you um, and speaks directly to you. I see. Um, And then is there an asynchronous or pre-recorded class experience? Yep. So everything that is aired live originally then becomes available on demand in our library. So you can view it at any time. And then that's um, you wouldn't get a personalized shout at, um, during that experience, but the device would still personalize the content for you. So it would still edit the video content and send you text-based, text-based notes and tips uh, based on your profile. Mm-hmm. And what what kind of equipment do I need on my side? So is this is this all done on a bare floor, or give me give me a sense of what kinds of exercise you can do and and what I need other than the mirror. 
sure, many of our classes can be performed with just your own body weight, although we do offer classes that involve equipment. So everything from dumbbells to kettlebells, medicine balls, yoga blocks, uh, ballet bars, chairs. Um, so really there is kind of something for everyone, uh, depending what you'd like to do. All right. And and what's the, give us a sense of the economics of this. So I I pay for some hardware and, and a subscription. So how does the pricing work? Exactly. So the mirror is $1,495. And then you pay $39 a month for unlimited live and on-demand classes for you plus an additional five members of your household. We also offer financing via a firm, which is currently at $164 per month uh, with as low as 0% interest. Um, but we're actually extending our financing terms over the next few months to allow for an all-in rate um, of $75 per month. And then if you engage with personal training, that's as low as $40 per session. All right. And how does the – actually, I guess I should just ask a follow-up question on the $39 a month. Is that is that all you, all you can eat or is it – uh, or is that limited to a certain number of live classes? Yep, all you can eat. So access to the tens of thousands of classes in our library and anything that's live. All right, very cool. Um, all right, so we can probably guess, but why don't you articulate for us the benefit proposition? So what's the pitch that seems to resonate best with your target segment? Sure. So um, I think for our, our target segment, there are busy people who prioritize health and wellness. So for them, being able to get a great workout in home just makes the most sense. Home is fundamentally the most convenient place to work out for people who are limited by time, geography, um, budget, um, or people who just fundamentally prefer the privacy of working out in their, their own environment. Uh, traditionally, however, working out in home meant sacrificing um, quality for convenience. You were putting a big treadmill or bike into your living room. You were trying to look at a small iPhone screen while engaging with content that was really one way or frankly stale. Um, so there was always some sort of trade-off. With Mir, we solved the footprint issue of large equipment through a beautiful piece of home decor that actually blends seamlessly into your environment and complements it. And we offer the variety and personalization that you can get with a studio class uh, by giving you classes that are fresh every single hour, and then they actually tailor to you um, in a more uh, more personalized way than I could offer in one of my studio environments. Yeah. Do people who who buy Mirror tend not to have gym subscriptions? Is that also part of the story that, that you're going to save money on, on the gym? I think it's different for different people. I think for some people, this becomes a gym replacement, and for others... It's a supplement. Um, yeah. I think it really depends on the users. Uh, personally, you know, um, you know, we just learned that the oldest operating gym in the U.S. closed in Texas last year, which I think is, um, you know, after, frankly, only about 50 or 60 years of continuous operation. Whoa. So I think it would be um, surprising to me if technology enables us to deliver a more convenient, more highly varied, and more personalized experience, why more and more users wouldn't be giving a greater percentage of their workout share to in-home options. Yeah. Well, what I was getting at there as well is that gyms are gyms are pretty expensive in, in most cases. So it, and, and I know you have some financing options, but when you talk about those financing options, 
they roll up at something pretty close or even less than what I would expect people are paying for gym memberships. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, um, you know, your average average gym goer is spending um, around $75 per month. So with extended financing, we'll be on par with sort of the average gym membership. And certainly those who are frequenting boutique studios or premium gyms are paying multiples of that. So, Bryn, I I took a look at your LinkedIn, and and you have just the obvious uh, background for a hardware startup. You were uh, you studied Russian, and then you were a ballet dancer. So, uh, tell us how where this came from, and and about your journey to getting to Mirror. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. Um, very very true. Um, you know, in many ways, I I've, I really have spent really my my whole career in the health and wellness. Space. I was uh, a professional dancer at the New York City Ballet when I was a teenager, got involved with fitness studios when I um, went back to dancing after college, and then opened a studio of my own um, about nine years ago uh, when I retired and became really sort of an accidental hardware entrepreneur in my first business um, because I was solving a fundamental space problem. Um, the only space that I could afford to open at that point was a room in a Russian church that sort of the catch was every Saturday we had to give the room to the church for Sunday services, and then every Sunday we had to rebuild our gym. Wow. So, well, at least that's where your Russian training so came Russian in handy. Came in, yeah. One context. Yeah. Um, but the you know in a, this 500 square foot room we couldn't put traditional gym equipment and so ended up really designing and building a wall mounted cable tower initially out of sort of sailing lines and pulleys and tracks and it sort of evolved over time um, but that was sort of the first example of kind of um, knowing really the experience that I wanted to offer and the problem that I was solving for our, our members and then being forced to kind of build the technology to support it. Um, and so for me, that that really has been kind of the journey to Mir as well was I, I personally, um, you know, I was, I was newly pregnant running a large business um, and, and needed an in-home workout option and I didn't like what was available. And so... I sort of figured out how to build the experience that I wanted for myself and, and, and sort of learned the skills and hired folks along the way, way to help. But um, I think when you sort of start with the, the problem and, and you build into the experience, um, you're often left with a, a stronger product. Yeah. So I don't know if Dana told you, my producer, she she worked out in that Russian gym with you uh, back in I, the day. Yeah. I know very well. <laughs> so pretty awesome that that's yeah. the connection. So um, – all right, so you had this idea, but this is uh, sort of a big leap from from running a fitness studio in a, in a in a Russian church. So, yeah. how, what did you what did you do to validate? I, I guess I should start by saying, what was the evolution of the idea when you first had the idea? What was it, and how has it changed to what you actually ended up fielding? Yeah, I mean, initially, I think I was building really more of an app. I, I knew kind of the elements that made a great class experience and was sort of building those elements, was building those elements into an app. Um, but what I didn't like was really, it wasn't experiential. It was one way the visuals and sound weren't immersive, um, you know, hadn't really solved for the experience. Um, and then just by accident, we put a bunch of regular sort of dumb mirrors into our gyms. And our members said it was the best upgrade we made all year was give them the feedback that the mirror provided. Yeah. Um, and I sort of realized, like, I had kind of this blind spot, frankly. I had spent my whole career working out in front of mirrors, and it was so obvious to me that 
mirrors are a part of any good fitness experience that I almost missed it. Um, but I think that was sort of the moment where I realized that all of the tech that I'd been thinking about building, um, once I put it into the mirror footprint, I really sort of had something unique. Yeah. So the first leap, so you start out with the general idea of technology enabled workouts that led to the idea of an app. And then you had this epiphany that, Hey, the mirror is a key part of that. And then there was a further leap, which was, Hey, I could make the mirror a smart mirror. I mean, that was the final leap. Yeah, exactly. And I think from there it was, um, frankly, I think just getting, you know, figuring out how to actually physically build um, just a baseline prototype to test this idea that sort of this image in my head of a mere gym actually functionally could be built. And that was really just buying a Raspberry Pi, a cheap tablet and a piece of one-way glass online. And um, I'm fortunate that I, my, my husband uh, has some development backgrounds and sort of saying to him, can you make some words appear on this tablet so I can see what the experience looks like through the glass and, and if it will work? Um, and w- once I sort of validated that baseline vision in my head that that the tech could kind of be built, um, you know, then we were sort of off. Yeah, and I guess I'm thinking um, a five-star hotel in Asia. You know, you sometimes will see the 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 display. Yeah, there'll be a TV in the bathroom behind the mirror. So. So that you don't know is there. So that technology was sort of there, I suppose. Um, But and just for our listeners, Raspberry Pi is just a very cheap uh, Linux computer that you could use that hobbyists and hackers can use to put stuff together. So with relatively available technology, you were able to realize at least the basic idea. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, I think I think from there, we actually probably did the opposite of sort of what most traditional entrepreneurs do and and generally what sort of hardware entrepreneurs do instead of building something very ugly but functional and trying to line up users to give us money to validate the idea i really said you know the hardware is a conduit for content and we're going to build this incredible media company that's where our sort of expertise lies we know content we know community we know brand and so we built a mirror that was really completely fake. It was really vaporware, um, but spent a lot of time sort of building out the visuals of the mirror and the app and the brand around it. And we used that to actually raise our first round of financing rather than building something sort of ugly and functional and trying to line up users. Yeah. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Launchpad on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM Channel 132. I'm Carl Ulrich, and I'm speaking with Bryn Putnam, who's the founder and CEO of Mirror. Bryn, I want to circle back on what you just said because it's really interesting. I want to make sure I understand the distinction you're making. So your point is that you really focused on a looks-like prototype. You wanted the appearance of the device to be to be compelling um but it did have did it have any functionality um no not really i mean we basically hired a models and an animator and kind of put together a video that sort of simulated the experience and the interaction that we wanted to build um and designed sort of a bunch of um static screens uh, that we sort of hacked together through a prototype app on the app side. 
and sort of walk someone through what the experience would be like of engaging with this content on the mirror. Um, because, you know, really fundamentally where we felt like we had the competitive advantage was being able to create an experience that members would love. And so we wanted to demonstrate that expertise rather than kind of sinking limited our limited resources into building functionality when we knew that that was frankly going to be a multi-year process. Yeah. So again, just another layer of, of drill down on that. So the mirror, the mirror was a display, but you were essentially playing a video on the display. Is that really? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yep, but exactly. the mirror, the mirror looked like the real thing and could be mounted to the wall or in a frame or, or whatever. Sure. I mean, what it was at that point was really like uh, almost like some steel tubing that we bought off the shelf, like an erector set and, um, you know, a large a large piece of glass. And we, we put a TV into it with no actual, um, you know, computer or speakers mm-hmm. or, or, or brains behind it. Um, and then, yeah, exactly. Basically played a played a video. Yeah. You know, it's it's amazing. I want to. I want this to come out the right way because I don't mean to be critical of investors and the general public, but but it's amazing how uh, what's the right way to say it? How how easily convinced people are that something could be a real product based on a you know sort of a mock-up like that that looks looks right um, without realizing just what an enormous leap it is to go from that to something that actually works the way you intend it. Yeah, I mean. There was, and then, and then two years lapsed. Right, exactly. <laughs> before, before we got to the point where we were we were selling products to the public, um, but you know, I think we we had heard sort of so many stories of hardware startups, in particular, um, really exhausting resources trying to get into production and never never getting there. And we felt like we fundamentally weren't going to be a hardware company; we were going to be a content company, and so we should validate validate that. Yeah, but you still did have to uh, procure some hardware. The hardware sounds relatively straightforward, but there's, as a hardware guy myself, I'll say there's nothing easy about hardware. There's a reason they call it hardware. So <laughs> hardware is always a pain. You can't just push releases and updates uh, to hardware, typically. So uh, hardware is always a pain. Um, but then there was this huge uh, software development piece as well. So talk a little bit about... Uh, how you how you got that done? Presumably, well, just tell us how did you get that done? Yeah, yeah. I mean, ultimately, what we built was incredibly complex hardware, software, and a full live production studio. Um, you know, but I think sort of how we approached it and how we got there in two years. You know, instead of what could have been probably a five year project, is we really started with member and what we felt the member wanted and then we we built into that um, versus kind of saying we're building this platform and it could do all these incredible things which I think is often when sort of hardware folks come and see the mirror they immediately go to advanced cameras for limb tracking and AR and VR and kind of all these complicated integrations that we could do and we said you know, basically it was sort of me sitting down with a napkin and saying, here are the five things that the hardware has to do in order for us to get into the home so that we can really be a media company. And we were very um, merciless about sort of saying no to any kind of development that would take us off that path. And so I think, 
you know, building hardware, software, and content at the same time is quite complex, but becomes a bit easier when you have sort of that North Star of um, being able to hack away the inessential. Yeah, and and just one little nerdy question. So it is essentially a a computer, right? It's a Wi-Fi connected, internet connected computing device, essentially with a display, right? I mean, it has to have some way of connecting, or is it driven? No, it can't be driven entirely off the phone. So it's itself receiving data from the internet. Correct? Correct. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. yeah we're pulling in information from the cloud and the phone communicates with the mirror via Wi-Fi, and then we pair via Bluetooth to peripherals like speakers, yep. uh, heart rate monitors, things like that. All right. Uh, lay lay all that over your onto your your financing rounds in the timeline. So if I can believe Crunchbase, it looks like you've raised something like 40 plus million dollars over several rounds. Uh, a lot of that was fairly recently in the fall with in the form of a Series B, but maybe previous to that. When did you take the first money in this timeline? And then when did you get these, you know, that that a round, the significant chunk of initial capital? Yeah, hopefully I'll get my date dates right. Crunchbase, I know is wrong, and I may not not be much better. Um, <laughs> so we did our our seed round, which was three million, at the very end of 2016, and that was really, um, frankly, I think just presenting the market, the experience of our team, and this kind of looks like prototype. Um, we utilized that three million to get us really to. Um, kind of a production-ready version of the hardware and uh, software and content that was sort of 75% of the way there, let's say. Um, we were at the point where we were ready to sort of think about moving into mass production and scaling. Um, and so that was, uh, I believe, early, yeah, late 2017. Uh, was the A round. 18 was yeah. the A round, which was um, $10 million. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, the $10 million could have sort of taken us through launch with very small batch production and really um, tight, tight, tight marketing budgets. Um, but we felt like based on kind of the early beta tests that we had run that the feedback was really, really strong and we were going to need to scale pretty quickly, especially if we wanted to take advantage of our first holiday season. Um, so summer... 2018, we raised a $25 million Series B, um, which basically allowed us to amplify our marketing around our fall 2018 launch and really be um, aggressive about starting to scale up production and hiring and all of that into 2019. Yeah, so there's some interesting things about that. I noticed, again, if I can believe Crunchbase, that that Spark, who led Series A, also led Series B. So that was yep. they. They must have been pretty confident and pretty happy with the way things were going. But that's also really fortunate to have them in a position to do that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's. Um, you know, we we. I mean, I can't I can't say enough good things about our partnership with Spark. But um, you know, part of what has enabled us to succeed has been that we do have a partner that understands that uh, great things take time and take capital, and they've been willing to invest very heavily in Mir even prior to us selling a single Mir. And, um, you know, I think hopefully are happy with the with the success we've, we've seen subsequently. Yeah. Well, uh, tell us, we just have Amanda or so left, but, but um, tell us how it's going. So you launched, 
you launched in the in the fall, so you've had whatever a few months now uh, to see, to to see whether the dogs are eating the dog food. How how's it going? Yeah, I mean it's really. Um frankly just sort of exceeded our expectations um we've been really you know i think we thought we would be sort of having a a slow ramp over this year and eventually we would start to hit our stride but um within our first month or two we had sold mirrors in every state uh we have more than two users in every household using the mirror meaning we're having you know, mom, dad, and often a child or a relative all kind of finding value out of the platform. Um, sales uh, in December um, were basically 2x our anticipated plan and have continued to sort of accelerate through early 2019 um, with just a much more diverse uh, membership base than we expected. So close to 30% of our mirrors are financed. We're speaking to an audience of um, both men, women, beginners to advanced athletes, uh, folks from different income levels. Um, so it's been really exciting, but also uh, definitely very challenging to kind of scale all elements of the business so quickly. Yeah, and, and we we do literally just have a minute, but tell us uh, just very quickly what's on the other side of the experience. What does the studio look like and, and who's actually providing the instruction? Yep. So we have a studio uh, in our facility. We have a team of eight trainers who create content exclusively for Mirror. We're running live classes pretty much every hour on the hour. And we just launched our first branded content partnership with Tracy Anderson, who's an incredible fitness pioneer, to create exclusive content for Mirror. So starting to expand the platform to other creators. Wow. Well, it's really cool. So, Bran, we're out of time, but uh, thanks so much for making the time to join us today. Thanks so much for having me. All right, to learn more, just go to mirror.co. Again, that's mirror.co. I'm Carl Ulrich, Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at Wharton. Launchpad is produced by Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. The show airs live on Wednesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. You can find more episodes of this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.